When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. It's time to wrap up ESPN's College Pick'em on the best college football pick'em pod in the land. It's another purge week. Get that, the third purge week of the 2021 season. And wrapping up week 14, we have a pick'em pod here for you. We're going into championship week right here on the blackout. He is Alan Denton. I'm Thomas Black. Man, Alan, it has been a crazy week since we last talked. In week 13, I thought it was pretty crazy when we saw Michigan upset Ohio State, then the win of Oklahoma State over Oklahoma, and then Alabama kind of struggled their way to a four-overtime victory over Auburn. But man, it has been nothing compared to what we've seen with the coaching carousel. First, Billy Napier headed off to Florida. Lincoln Riley shocking everyone and going to USC, opening up the Oklahoma job. And then Brian Kelly just in the last 24 hours, jumping to LSU, opening up Notre Dame. Man, the last seven days have held a lot. How in the world have you been taking in all this information? (laughs) I mean, I feel like that I'm in the wrong business in many ways. I mean, I feel like I could be a lot richer doing something else and uh goodness gracious the money being thrown around on some of these guys is unbelievable and i know the market is kind of determining that and tv money is just flushing these schools with unreal amounts of cash but uh golly it's remarkable the monumental shakeups that have happened in college football in the past 72 hours. It has been a wild, wild season. I've compared it again and again for people to 2007. To me, the on-field product that we have seen, this is the second craziest season I've seen, only second to that 2007 season. But Mm -hmm. then you mix in all this stuff we've had with realignment, the early signing period, what that does to these jobs in schools wanting to fire coaches earlier and earlier, other coaches wanting to jump from their jobs earlier and earlier, and then the absolute mega jobs we have seen open up with LSU and Oklahoma and Southern Cal and Notre Dame. To me, this feels unprecedented. And, you know, it's not every year that we're going to see the mega jobs open up, but we're going to see an awful lot of coaches switching jobs these days, like you talked about, because of the money, because of the early signing day, 
everything mixed together and the you know, regionalization of, of college football and the changes we see with realignment, it really is remarkable what we've seen this year and uh, just one of the wildest, wildest college football scenes I've ever lived through. Yeah, and all combined with the players having more power than they've ever had before with the transfer portal and the one-time transfer, you know, you can play immediately. It makes for total chaos. And I, I think moving into next year, that's something that we'll find ourselves thinking again is what in the world is this year going to look like? Because there's so many people that are going to be transferring in and out of these programs, some of which we're not going to know what to expect. Absolutely. Name, image, likeness on top of that for these players oh, yeah. starting to make some cash. It has been a wild change to the college football landscape here over the last few months. And uh, I'm here for it. I love it, man. I think it's the best thing that is going right now in sports. And I cannot wait to see what the future looks like because all this drama that's going on week in, week out, even off of college football Saturdays has really made for what's going to be a really interesting offseason leading into another season ahead of us in 2022. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait, man. All right, Alan, if you're ready for it, let's go ahead and take a look at the standings as we look back at what happened in week 13 and as we prepare for the final week of the regular season contest before our bowl pick coming up here in a couple of weeks. Let's do it. All right, we have a new leader at the top of the pack. His name is Jesse. He has 524 points, and he leads the pack for our first place prize, a performance package 4.0 from Manscaped, a $100 Visa gift card, and a blackout t-shirt. In second place, our leader from a week ago and leader for much of the season, Bruce has 521 points and is three points off the lead. He leads the pack for a pair of Yeats sunglasses, a $50 Visa gift card, and a blackout t-shirt. And coming in third place at this moment in time, we have Ted. These three have kind of separated themselves. Ted has 520 points, just four points off the lead, and he leads the pack for a $25 Visa gift card and a blackout t-shirt. So Alan, it really is interesting heading into week 14, knowing that these three have kind of separated themselves. They've kind of put themselves in a position where they easily could be the three that come away with prizes in any variation of order. But at the same time, because we're entering into what we're calling a purge week with so many tight games, so many incredibly tight spreads, we could see some wild swings in the standings. And like you and I have done, with our last few weeks in the picks, you know, we're going to be doing it again this week. We're going to be kind of angling ourselves, trying to find those angles where we can jump and gain a lot of points all at one time. And if people line up their boards correctly, maybe we could see somebody outside these top three spots jump up into the top three. Yeah, I think there are a couple of people that could jump into given the right set of circumstances, a couple of upsets fall their way that they can find themselves, especially in that that third spot. But those top three guys are all within four points. It's going to make for, for them a, an incredibly interesting week. And with a, with a lot on the line, there's a lot of pressure on those guys to pick the right way on this purge week part three. Absolutely, Alan. For the place that you and I are in the standings, I come in in 15th place. It's my first time all season outside of the top 10. But man, some of those aggressive plays that I have made in the last couple of weeks have not 
panned out. I have 487 points. A week ago, I was in seventh place, so I've dropped quite a bit back to 15th. I'm now 37 points off the lead, and last week I was 22 points back, so I've dropped another 15 points off the lead. That was with some of those aggressive plays that did not pan out, and uh, it's really going to cost me as we go forward because, you know, I think with the right plays this week, I think I can easily jump back into the top 10, maybe touch the top five, but I think the top three is kind of out of reach for me unless something absolutely ridiculous happens this coming Saturday. Yeah, exactly. You know, like we've talked about it the past couple of weeks, you want to go down swinging, you want to give your best effort to get into that top three. And because of that, if you make some moves in the last couple of weeks, you may find yourself sliding down the board. You and I have both found ourselves doing that, but we can look ourselves in the mirror and say we went for it. And I'm perfectly fine with that. (laughs) I agree with you 100%. And Alan, it has cost you certainly, as you've been sliding down the leaderboard faster than I have, you're in 26th right now, 474 points on the board. A week ago, you were in 25th. So you're right there in about the same spot, but you're 50 points off the lead. A week ago, you were 39 points back. So Alan, if you agree with me, I think we're already on the same page. We don't really change any of our philosophy that we've had from the past couple of weeks. It's just going to be going back at it again and looking for those plays that are going to help us climb back up, maybe get into the top 10. Yeah, exactly. At this point, that's about all you can do. You're not going to be able to to scratch and claw your back way in the top five or anything like that. You just try to make it respectable. (laughs) No doubt about it. Alan, we talked about this off air as you and I talked about coming into this week. Uh, You may be able to hear it in my voice out there. I'm not really sure. It's improved a good bit, but I'm coming off some sickness from this past week, so we're only doing one episode. So this is a Pick'em Pod versus the Pick'em Rewind, but Alan, we want to touch on a few of these things that went down in Week 13 just because it was so crazy, but we saw Michigan advance to the Big Ten Championship game versus Iowa. Of course, in Championship Week, we're picking a bunch of championship games, so this is one of them, Uh, but Oklahoma State on top of Oklahoma allows them to play Baylor in the Big 12 Championship And then Alabama, they didn't need the win against Auburn, but man, that was a wild game coming down late as they get ready to face the Georgia Bulldogs. So anything that you're thinking coming off of a week 13 that saw a lot of ups and downs and a lot of unexpected results that lead into this week 14? It was total chaos, right? Just so much fun. Maybe the best week of football that we've had. I'm grateful that this was one of the Saturdays I got to sit and watch it and enjoy it from start to finish. And from the 12 o'clock all the way to the ending of Bedlam, it was just rocking and rolling the whole time. No doubt about it. Alan, let's go ahead and do a rapid recap to let the folks know where our pick'em slates landed in week 13. Alan came away with the better week this past week, scoring 31 points. He did it on a 5-5 five and five slate. The wins were Alabama at a 10, Wake Forest at a 7, Oregon at a 6, Oklahoma State at a 5, and BYU at a 3. The losses were Ohio State at a 9, Wisconsin at an 8, Miami of Ohio at a 4, Louisville at a 2, and Marshall at a 1. Alan, you are now 75 and 55 on the season with your picks. Any final thoughts from your pick'em slate in Week 13? Honestly, way, way overvalued Ohio State. We talked about this when we were pre-gaming. I did not see many scenarios where Michigan would bully ball Ohio State, and they did. I mean, just shoved it right down their throat over and over 
and over again. And there was nothing that that offense could do. Michigan was the better team. They were the more aggressive team, the more physical team. And this time last year, Michigan fans might have been clamoring for Harbaugh to get, get canned. And they didn't. Kudos to that AD for giving him another year. And it's paid off. They switched some things up. Don Brown is obviously not with them anymore. They bring in McDonald, who's been a, an excellent defensive coordinator. They can rush the passer. I mean, constantly putting pressure on you. Um, I did not expect that at all. Wisconsin lays a freaking golden egg against the Golden Gophers. I have way overvalued them as well. And then, you know, the, one of the value picks. I hated that the, the Red Hawks couldn't get it done in overtime. But, you know, I don't feel terrible about that pick. Yeah, I'm with you. I was similar in my picks. I went five and five as well. The wins were Alabama at a 10, BYU at an eight, Kentucky at a four, Oklahoma State at a three, and Oregon at a two. The losses were, I was with you on this one, Wisconsin at a nine. I felt great about that game going into it. Obviously, that did not pan out. I had Miami of Ohio, as you talked about, as another value pick myself. I had that as a miss at a seven, Ohio State at a six, Marshall at a five, and Boston College at a one. Man, there's not a lot I can say about my board. You know, I took some shots just like you did, trying to make some aggressive plays, and they didn't really pan out. You know, I took Boston College at a one. That was one of my worst picks on the day. You had that as a value pick on Wake Forest. That one hurt me bad uh, because anything on Wake Forest would have been better in that blowout. But it was a close first half, and I thought one call kind of went against Boston College that I think wasn't right in the Zay Flowers crazy touchdown. But ultimately, I I don't think it would have made a difference. Yeah, it ended up being just a brutal game for BC to end the year. That's one of those things – Going into it, you want to take a chance. BC has, in this era of football, had a pretty explosive offense, especially earlier in the year and last year with Philip Yurkovich. You could have seen them putting up a lot of points. This may have been the, the least Wake Forest has given up, maybe since the beginning of the year against the dumb, deaf, and the blind. You know, like <laughs> it's got to be early, early on. Yeah, definitely. Alan, the other ones that I would comment on. You know, you mentioned Ohio State having a ton of faith in them. I I was leaning toward them getting the win, but I had the Buckeyes at a six. Honestly, I thought that was one of my better plays. The fact that Michigan won this game, it really set me up in that game to have a really good board. It's just the other picks did not land. And I had too many picks that I got right at a lower value rather than pushing them up my board. And like you said, Wisconsin, that was a really tough one because they had really been playing some good football. I thought their defense was really going to shut down a Minnesota offense that we had seen really play poorly a couple of times this year. I figured that was kind of a given. So I felt really good about it, but Minnesota really showed up and played a good offensive day of football. How in the world does Wisconsin come out that flat with a Big Ten championship berth on the line? I just can't for the life of me understand that. I mean, kudos to Minnesota. They ended up with the exact same record as Wisconsin, eight and four and six and three overall. But for them to win that trophy in this rivalry game in this way and prevent Wisconsin to go to the Big Ten championship game, P.J. Fleck looks like they're rowing the boat again. They certainly are. Alan, the 5-5 five and five record this past week brings me to 79-51 and 51 on my picks for the season. 
And Alan, one more note that I want to drop and we have to address here before we get into our value picks for week 14 championship week is we've got a change on the ESPN College Pick'em this year. That is because our contest this weekend actually begins Friday night. We've got two games on Friday eight games on Saturday to pick. So for those of you who kind of drag your feet a little bit, procrastinate, wait until Saturday morning to make your picks, if you do that, you're going to miss out on two games Friday night. That would be three points off the board, especially for our people up at the top of the pack. Anybody up in that top five or six, especially in that top three, if you miss those two games, you're losing three points off the board and you'd have a max possible score of 52 rather than 55. Alan, that's a huge deal as we get into this weekend. And I know a situation that is going to cost some people those three points because there's going to be a lot of people who don't check out the podcast. There's going to be a lot of people who don't check out the picks until they get closer to the weekend. And there are certainly going to be some people who don't get picks made for those first couple of Friday night games. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's surprising. They've never done this before. This is truly a, a revolutionary thing, but it makes sense, right? There are a couple of really important good games on Friday night. So hopefully people will make their picks before then. I know I'm going to text a couple of buddies, give them a heads up. Uh, I know they normally listen to the podcast, but man, well, it would be awful, especially one of those top guys to not end up getting the top three because they forgot to make a Friday night pick. It would be terrible. Fortunately, it is only two games. Like I said, it's just three points. So you could still figure out a way to have a really good pick em slate and have it not cost you. But if you're working your way through this season in which we've never had anyone come away with a perfect week, anything like that. So if you're sacrificing those three points and then you miss two or three or four games on Saturday as well, especially at higher values, that can become really, really costly as we work our way through the weekend. Yeah, exactly. You just can't afford to give up any points in a week like this, even if it is just your one and two game you're going to miss some other ones. I don't see anybody getting a perfect week this week. Yeah, it is a purge week for a reason. And with that, we have to jump into some value picks. Alan, I think there is a lot of possible movement on the board. But with your pick'em slate last week, you came away with 31 points compared to my 27. Because of that, you take it away, sir, with your first value pick of championship week. All right. Well, one thing that I've learned over many, many years of picking and just watching football in general is that it is really, really hard to beat someone twice. It just is. It's very hard to beat someone twice. And because of that, I'm going back to the well and choosing Oregon over Utah again. (laughs) And maybe this time, Oregon won't just essentially poop the bed. So I I figure I'm going to get it right one of these times. Now, Utah is a three-point favorite, which would put them anywhere between a two or a five. Now, I hope that kind of gives everyone an idea of how wild this board is, is a three-point favorite can put you between a two and a five. I think Oregon gets revenge. This game is not at Utah. This is a neutral field championship site. They lost the first time 38-7, to were absolutely embarrassed, whipped. Utah ran the ball straight through their teeth, was more physical than they were, even though Cameron Rising didn't have a particularly great day. And because of that, I think that the switch gets flipped this time around, 
and Oregon takes care of business, is more physical. They're able to establish the run with Anthony Brown and company, and they pick up the win. And I'm going to put Oregon right in that four or five type of range. Man, this matchup is completely fascinating. I I have a couple of different feelings on this one. One is to go exactly with you. I, I think that when you look back at that Utah-Oregon matchup the first time, I think the score was not as indicative about how close that game was. Not that Oregon really was in it ever, and not that they ever you know, looked like the better team necessarily, but in a game that finishes 38 to seven, you think, man, let's look at some stats and let's figure out, you know, just how dominant this game was. But Utah didn't even outgain Oregon by 100 yards in that game. You know, they had a touchdown on a punt return on the last play of the first half. That was kind of fluky. Oregon had a couple of turnovers in that game and had some plays go wrong that really could have kept this game a lot closer. So I've been tempted to do the exact same thing. Like you mentioned, this game's not at Utah. It's a neutral site. And even though Utah won by 31 points, let's just take note. They're only a three-point favorite in this game. So these teams are very well matched against each other. And people who get so soaked up into just the final score that happened the first time are going to be tempted to have Utah at like an eight or a nine. But man, I'm with you. I think this game's very, very close. And if it flips to the other side, that's an awful lot of value. So I'm not convinced where I'm going this week in this game, but I think there's a very good chance I could end up on the Ducks for the exact same reasons you do. It's just one of those kind of feels, like you mentioned, the biggest thing for me is even though the score was outlandish, the statistics really worked. And so because of that, you know, when when you think about how different this game's going to be on a neutral site, Oregon still has a lot to play for. I mean, this is a bid for the Rose Bowl, and that's a really big deal. I, I think they really want to come out forcefully, make a statement for all of football, for this week. And Alan, the other thing that I'll point out is it was a week ago that I put a value pick on dropping the Ducks against Oregon State, but man, they came out and got things right against the Beavers. They won that game big time. So I was a little bit concerned about what they were going to be mentally speaking coming out of that game where they lost a chance to go to the college football playoff and they were just playing for a Pac-12 championship. But that performance against the Beavers tells me that this Oregon team got right quickly. So I think that's another reason to think maybe there's going to be a good performance coming out of the Ducks come Friday night. They have responded well after losing their lunch and just getting punched in the face a couple weeks ago. All right, Alan, time for my top value pick this week, and I am actually going to go for a repeat performance. You're going for switching things up with your top value pick, but I'm going to go to the Big 12 Championship where we have Baylor against Oklahoma State, and man, this game means an awful lot to Oklahoma State. They are sitting here as a a five-and-a-half-point favorite as we record on Tuesday night. Now, these two teams, as they do in the Big 12, have already played once with their round-robin schedule. Oklahoma State came away with a 24-14 win the first go-around. And, man, in that game, Oklahoma State was pretty good. They outgained the Bears by over 120 yards. Spencer Sanders, I took note of, he played maybe his second worst game of the year in this one. Even though they outgained the Bears by 120 yards, he went 13 of 23 for 182 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. Now, we've talked a lot about Spencer Sanders and his turnover problems, but this year he's been a lot better. 
This game against Baylor earlier this year, he threw three picks. And then this past weekend against Oklahoma, he threw two picks. Outside of that, it's been one or none the rest of the season. I think he's improved his play an awful lot. And I think there's a very good chance he could have a much better game than he had in his first go-around against Baylor. Now, flipping it to the other side, Gary Bohannon, the quarterback for Baylor, is a question mark for this game. It was just a couple weeks ago against Kansas State that he really hurt his hamstring. He's missed the last game and a half. Now, there is a suspicion, a belief that he might very well be good to go for this game. And that's not really that big of a concern for me because they have a backup who stepped in, a redshirt freshman, Blake Shapin, who's done a pretty good job. Either quarterback, to me, when I look at the performance of this Baylor offense, I think it's been fairly comparable between the two of these guys. But if Gary Bohannon comes back with maybe some questions about his hamstring, maybe he's not as active in the running game, he's already going up against an awesome Oklahoma State defense coached by defensive coordinator Jim Knowles. Man, I like the opportunity for the Cowboys to have another good performance against the Bears. If it's Gary Bohannon, if he's dinged up a little bit, I think that helps them. If it's Blake Shapin, though he's been pretty good, I think this will be by far the best test he's had to face against the defense so far for a guy that's only played a little bit. So I like the Cowboys defense to put up a good performance again. I think Spencer Sanders has a better game than he did the first go around. And so for a team that won this game by 10 points the first time, as only a five and a half point favorite, the spread would indicate you should put your confidence value on Oklahoma State at a six. But Alan, I'm going to move Oklahoma State up this week. I'm taking the Cowboys at an eight. I think that they win this game. It may be close. It may be a little uncomfortable. But I think the defense with Jim Knowles and Spencer Sanders playing a little bit better compared to the first performance against the Bears, I think the Cowboys come out on top and gives themselves the chance to make it to the college football playoff. I really like the Pokes. I'm right there with you this week. I'm pushing them up my board as well. I really like Oklahoma State. They've been incredibly consistent, remarkably so, especially as you think of a team exactly as we've talked about. You think of Spencer Sanders, and yes, earlier in the year, he really did have some issues, but he's really pared that down as the years have come along, and they have just continued to win games. That defense is very, very good. I think it's a a notch better than Baylor, and with the question mark on offense for Baylor, I can see with Spencer Sanders just being that X factor, they've really found their footing offensively. They know who their number one wide receiver is. They've got a great running back this year. And so because of that, I just feel a lot better about them going into this game with a lot to prove and a lot on the line with a potential playoff berth. I'm right there with you, my friend. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. The other thing for me, looking back at the past matchup between these two teams is while Oklahoma State held Baylor under 300 yards of offense, a big, big part of that was slowing down the run game. Baylor has run the ball really, really well this year on just about everybody they've played. But when Oklahoma State shut that down, man, I think that there's a lot of reasons that they already have schemed up a good game plan against Baylor once this year. I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be able to do it again, especially with the question marks at quarterback for Baylor. To me, it just makes an awful lot of sense to stick with a team that has already won against Baylor already this year and has kind of the right momentum and the right motivation heading into this game, like you mentioned. 
Yes, exactly right. That defensive line can both get after the quarterback and they can stop the run. That's something most of the time Big 12 defenses have only been able to do one or the other. This is a legit top five defense in all the land. They've built it the right way. It sure feels like this is a team that is ready to make their mark. All right, Alan, where are you going for your second value pick this week? I am going to the ACC championship game. These are two teams in Pittsburgh and Wake Forest that are very, very similar in many ways. They both have very good quarterbacks. They both have overachieved based upon preseason rankings and expectations. But as you look at the line, what you find is that Pittsburgh is a three-point favorite, which again, as I alluded to earlier, puts them anywhere between a two or a five. As I look at this matchup, I really have come to like Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Panthers over the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. In my opinion, Pitt is a better version of Wake in several ways. Even though they're similar, this is the alpha version. They've got a better QB in Kenny Pickett over Sam Hartman. They've got a better defense. They're allowing less yards and less points per game, and they even have a better offense than Wake Forest does, averaging more yardage. And so Pitt, with being a three-point favorite, I'm putting them, actually moving them up and above, putting them in that 6-7 range, up and above that 2-5 to range. I feel pretty confident that Pitt gets it done over Wake Forest this week, who's been more inconsistent over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on this one. I don't think I'm going to be quite as aggressive as you are in putting Pittsburgh quite as high in value, but I'm going to be on the Panthers as well. And I tell you, the things that you said, I agree with completely. But another thing that I'll add on top of it is Pittsburgh has a pretty talented defensive line. They comp kind of favorably to what Clemson puts out there. Now, Clemson's far more talented and it has a lot more high school talent coming in, four and five-star players. That's not quite what Pittsburgh has, but they do have right. a talented defensive line. And I think they should be able to compress the pocket like Clemson did against Wake Forest, put Wake in probably some situations with some third and longs. And now Pittsburgh also does give up some big plays in the passing game. So I think Wake Forest is going to get theirs. I think they're going to score points. But I think this Pittsburgh defense is good enough along the defensive line to put them in enough bad spots where they get some stops. And I think Pittsburgh should have a field day against this Wake Forest defense. So I agree with the pick. I like where you're going with it. I'm probably just not going quite as strong because I think this could be a shootout. But at the end of the day, I think the Panthers get enough stops to get the win. Yeah, I'm with you there, man. They just seem to be a more of a touchdown type of favorite than they are a three-point favorite, in my opinion. Yeah, I understand that. It makes a lot of sense to me. I was tempted to put this down as a value pick myself. I didn't quite get there, but it's probably on my board, kind of in that third or fourth range as far as my favorite plays this week. So I agree completely with it. I just have to figure out exactly where it's going to land. But even if I'm not going up in that 6-7 range, like you said, I'm probably going, I don't know, in the 4-5 range, kind of the upper part of that lower part of my board. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, Alan, for my second value pick this week, I'm looking at the Conference USA Championship game. This is another one of those Friday night games that we need to look at along with the Pac-12 Championship. This one's between Western Kentucky and UTSA. Now, an interesting fact, this game is actually hosted by UTSA. That is because the way Conference USA does this thing is they allow the team that wins a division inside Conference USA with the best winning percentage to host the conference championship game. Now, I honestly don't know if that counts as a home game. I don't know what the ticket split is for this game, but I would think it's closer to 50-50, more so than just as simply a home game for UTSA. But I don't think that matters because my pick does not take into an account what the crowd situation looks like. I just think we have two teams that match up fairly favorably with each other. And in fact, they've already played once this year. UTSA came away with a 52-46 to win. Get that, 98 points scored in this game on October 9th. But, Alan, there's some question marks on this one. We see Western Kentucky as a two-point favorite in this game, even though UTSA is the 11-1 and team. Alan, there's a little bit of a question with quarterback Frank Harris for UTSA. He had to leave the game last week against North Texas. I've seen some debate about whether that was because of performance or because of injury. I have heard that he is going to be available and is going to play against Western Kentucky. But frankly, I think this UTSA offense has struggled a little bit recently. We talked about it here on the Pick'em Rewind a couple of weeks ago and their performance against UAB. Frankly, I think they were lucky to win that game. And then they followed it up with a season finale at North Texas, which, mind you, is not a great football team, and they got blown out their first loss of the season. So honestly, I don't like where this UTSA team is right now. I'm going to be going with Western Kentucky in this game. And if we look back at the shootout performance that was UTSA coming away with a six-point win over Western Kentucky earlier this year, man, Western Kentucky outgained UTSA in that one by over 100 yards, They missed a field goal. They went 0 for 1 on fourth down. They missed a two-point conversion, and they had an interception late when they were driving to potentially win the game. So you turn a couple of those situations around, and I think there's a very good chance they would have won the regular season matchup already. Man, this team loves throwing the ball all over the yard. I don't know if his last name is pronounced Zap or Zappy. I've heard it both ways, but I like Bailey Zappy too much. It sounds way too swaggy for me to go against this conference USA (laughs) passing attack against a UTSA team that I think has struggled a little bit in recent weeks. So Alan, Western Kentucky is a two point favorite. I think that's going to surprise a lot of people. And right now, as we record on Tuesday night, 83% of people are on UTSA as an underdog. So I think this is a great spot to find some value. I'm going to take the Hilltoppers and I'm going to boost them up. So they right now as a two point favorite If you go according to the spread, you'd put Western Kentucky as a one, the lowest value on your board. But man, I think this thing could be a shootout again, but Western Kentucky had this thing kind of in the bag. If they have a couple of their mishaps go the other way in their first matchup, I like the Hilltoppers to win this game. I'm going to take Western Kentucky at either a six or a seven on my board this week. It's not because I think, hey, they're that much better than UTSA, but if they win and as a favorite like Vegas thinks they are, and as I've kind of seen in their last matchup with UTSA, I think there's a great opportunity to land some big points in a game that is really going to flip things and it allow me to push some other things down the board that I think could possibly be even closer to a toss-up than this game is. Yeah, well, you know, Western Kentucky always has a soft spot in my heart. 
And the reason is in NCAA 2013, me and my buddy, we started at the bottom with Western Kentucky and we built them up to a national champion before we decided. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Ever since then, I've rooted for the Hilltoppers. And uh, for all the reasons you've talked about, I tend to like this team as well. So explosive offensively. UTSA, for a variety of reasons, has kind of limped to the finish line in an incredible regular season. 11-1, and one, there's no shame in being 11-1, and one, but they've played some of their worst football over the past couple of weeks, including, as you mentioned, that awful game against North Texas last week where they just got blown out. Because of that, I tend to like this Western Kentucky team as well. I'm not going to put them nearly as high as as you are. Not going to be nearly as aggressive. But I like where your head's at on this one. Because this Western Kentucky team, on the other hand, is playing some of their best football of the year. Yeah, I think they are too. I understand why you wouldn't put them as high in value as I'm going to. I just think it's that thing where, man, I think I found a little bit of an edge looking at the first performance. Frankly, I think that Western Kentucky was slightly better in that game against UTSA than the Roadrunners were. I think they probably should have won it. So I'm okay with them as a favorite where I understand that there are going to be a bunch of people picking UTSA. And at this point, what do I have to lose? I may as well put a lot of points on them because if I hit it, if I'm right, it's really going to help me swing the board. And like I said earlier, hopefully get me up into the top 10, maybe even the top five if things really play my way. That's right. Can't hold anything back. It's like Brett Musburger and, and them on the water boy. Last game of the year, Brett. Can't hold anything back. (laughs) (laughs) That is exactly right. Alan, as we close this thing out, the things that people can do to help us are you can follow the show on Facebook and on Twitter. You can find it at The Blackout Pod. You can find me and Alan on Twitter as well. Alan can be found at AD on The Blackout. I can be found at TB on The Blackout. And Alan, we may be closing out the regular season competition, but that's not all for the podcast this year because we have our Bull Pick'em competition coming up in a couple of weeks. We've got over $500 in prizes available for our top five contestants. And coming up next week, we're going to be recording a Pick'em tutorial for those kind of getting used to the confidence Pick'em format. And then we will also have a Pick'em pod where we are going to give eight value picks a piece. Plus, we're going to be giving our college football playoff picks as well. So we've got a loaded slate ahead of us. We've got bowl matchups getting released this coming Sunday. There is a lot to go down and a lot for people to pay attention to as we get invitations out. You need to be checking your emails. Click on the Join Now button or whatever that thing says to join the group. And we're going to be inviting a whole lot more people. We're going to see how big this thing can get. Hey, and a lot of prizes on the way. Really, really excited about bowl picks. I love bowl season. There's nothing like having the Christmas tree up and watching Western Kentucky versus a no-name Mac school like Toledo or something. Just really showing how depraved I am for college football. (laughs) Absolutely. And if you've listened to the podcast this year, you're going to want to remember, if you didn't listen to it last year, just be aware Allen was the victor in our bowl pick'em contest last year. I was in the top five as well. So we are giving away our best plays here on the show as we get closer to bowl season. Hopefully it helps out an awful lot of people and hopefully it allows some people to even beat us and grab some of those prizes. 
Exactly. I'm willing to give you guys the good stuff. (laughs) Alan, those matchups begin, talking about the Bulls, they begin on December 17th. So we have a couple of weeks to go, but you and I are going to be recording our Pick'em Pod on the 9th. I should have it edited, chopped up, and ready to go and out there for people probably on the 10th. That'll give everybody about a week to listen to the show. And like we've talked about before, it's going to be in chronological order. That way, it's going to be a longer episode, but you don't have to listen to it all at once. All you really need to do is listen to it in chunks if you want to. Break down the first few games, then go ahead and get your board set for where those first few games are going to play. And even after those games kick off, you can still adjust the rest of your board. So if you want to listen to the podcast as you go throughout bowl season a little at a time, that's perfectly fine. You're just going to have to navigate your board a little at a time to be able to get up into the top 10 and have a shot at some of those prizes in the top five. That's exactly right. Alan, unless there's anything else from you, I thank you, sir, for your time. And it's going to be a blast to see how this weekend goes, wrapping up the final purge week of the 2021 season and then advancing into next week when we are recapping what happened with our finalists winning prizes up in the top three and moving on to the Bull Pick'em Contest as well. Looking forward to it, man. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.